0: Good afternoon we are on the top of 4a we were discussing King David after King David would advise the nation to go to war They then would consult In a three-step process We are told that first they would speak to King David's most trusted advisor Achitophel. after that they would go to the Supreme Court the Sanhedrin the 71 person court to um, find their advice and after consulting with the Supreme Court, they would then go to the Kresi Uplesi. The Kresi Uplesi. the name of God was written, the ineffable name of God was written on parchment, and that piece of parchment was put into the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol of the high priest, and that would allow for communication, for divine communication with the king. So questions could be asked, and they would be responded to through the precious gems lighting up on the breastplate. And at the end of 3b, we brought a verse. And this verse was supposed to show us that it would be in this order that advice was sought. First, the advisor, Achitophel was asked, and then the Supreme Court, and then the Kresi Uplesi, the breastplate of the high priest. So we proved that first was the advisor Achitofel. Now we are at the top of four A, Dalid Amud Aleph. First line, first word on the line. Ben Yahu Ben Yehoyada Zeh Sanhedrin. The next part of the verse said that after going to the advisor, they would then go to Ben Yahu, the son of Yehoyada, who happened to have been the head of the Supreme Court. So this shows us that the second address for advice was the Supreme Court. The third, the third of advice was the as we had said was the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol the high priest and the third part of the verse says the Eviatar and Eviatar would be the next stop Eviatar was the Kohen Gadol was the high priest at the time Elu Urim Vatumim, so that would be a reference to the Urim Vatumim to the breastplate the chenhu Omer and so does another verse say it tells us the order of advice that was uh, sought venayahu ben yaho yada alah Al Ha plasi ben Hayahu ben would be asked before the breastplate would be asked so in other words they went to the supreme court and only then would they receive would they seek divine advice from the breastplate Now the question is velama nikra shimam uplasi now why was this um, communication from the breastplate why was that called the kraseh <speaking in Hebrew>? uplasi so we answer, we answer, It was called crazy because it was very precise in its words. So the communication you would receive from the divine was very precise. That Hebrew word, comes from the word or wondrous. So the words, the communication that we would receive would be wondrous. The end of the verse says, The end of the verse would tell us that after seeking advice from these three points, then the general of the army was Yoav, as if to tell us that after seeking advice, then the general would be told that it is time to go to war, and his strategy would then be implemented. We are now about six lines down from the beginning of 4a, from the beginning of Dalat um, Ahmed Aleph, and we're going to go back now to a previous um, to a previous teaching that we had discussed. Amr Amrila Amr my kirah. So these rabbis said, What is the verse? What is the verse? Do we from which verse do we know that there would be that there was a harp above King David's bed that a wind would play at midnight to arouse David from King David from his sleep? So the verse says, Ura <speaking in Hebrew> awake my soul, <speaking in Hebrew> awake, O liar and harp. I will awaken the dawn meaning I will be awake before the dawn So we see that it was the awakening of the harp that would then awaken david to be awake before the dawn Now we're going to go back to another teaching that we said we talked about moses Not knowing exactly when midnight was and in turn king david did not know exactly when midnight was and that's why He needed the harp to wake him so now we're going to talk about a different opinion having to do with that. So we're at that first period at the top of 4a, at the top of Dalat Ahmad Aleph. Rabbi Zera Omar, Rabbi Zera said, I'm sorry, Rabbi Zera Omar, Moshe li'olam hava Moshe actually knew exactly when midnight was. David nami yada. And King David also knew exactly when midnight was. David but if that is the case, that King David knew exactly when midnight was, why did he need that harp to tell him when midnight was? We answer this Arure Mishna say, he needed the harp to arouse him from his sleep. He may have known exactly when, when midnight was, but if he wanted to wake up exactly at midnight, he needed to have that alarm clock. But now, going back to, with this understanding that Moshe in fact knew when midnight exactly was, back to we will now ask a question four lines down from. Four lines before the white lines get wide. But if that is so, that Moshe knew exactly when midnight was. Why was it then, when he was talking about the next plague to come upon the Egyptians, he told the Egyptians that it would be at around midnight, kachatzos, or at like midnight, not at actual midnight. If he knew when midnight was, why did he say around midnight? So we have two answers to this. Answer number one, kasavar. Moshe thought, Shema Yitu Astaginine Paro, Yomru Moshe Badaihu. He said perhaps the astrologers of the Pharaoh would be mistaken, and then they would think that Moshe was lying. In other words, if Moshe said that exactly at midnight the next plague would fall, and the astrologers or the wise men of the Pharaoh would Understand that think that midnight is at a different point either a couple minutes earlier a couple minutes later Then they could and that is when the plagues and the plague started when Moshe said midnight was or Moshe knew midnight to be It could end up being that the astrologers Instead of focusing on this incredible plague that was happening Their focus would immediately shift to oh Moshe was lying or Moshe was wrong Instead of realizing the wondrous nature nature of the plague So instead Moshe said like midnight so that no mistakes would be had and no one would think Moshe was lying or being dishonest. Um De Omar, Mar, because Master taught us, this is a lesson having to do with this. The Omar, Mar, Master taught us, You should teach yourself, teach your tongue to say the words, I do not know, lest you be caught in a falsehood. You may teach yourself to say, I don't know, because if you don't, then you may end up saying things and sometimes you may not know exactly and you may be caught in a falsehood and then whatever you say may end up becoming suspect. So be teach yourself, make that a habit to saying I don't know the answer to your question. Let me get back to you instead of feigning knowledge, fei- which uh, just comes from a place of arrogance. Rav Ashi Omar, Rav Ashi is going to give another answer as to why Moshe said the words around midnight instead of saying at exactly midnight. Rav Ashi Omar, Rav Ashi says, Moshe, when he said about, when he gave this warning about the next plague that was going to come, he actually stood at exactly midnight the evening before. It was exactly midnight of the 13th going into the 14th. Rav Ashi Omar, Moshe Yisrael. and this is what Moshe was telling the jewish people. God said tomorrow At exactly midnight like the moment it is right now. So when it says It doesn't mean around midnight. It means like midnight Meaning like it is at this moment tomorrow I will come God is saying I will come and inflict this plague on Egypt Okay, that is the end of that discussion about the knowledge of exact midnight. We will discuss in our, when we're together, our first um, in-person session, our second in-person session, exactly what this means, halachic, or midnight according to Jewish law, and what hours mean according to Jewish law. They're much different than our 60-minute hours and 12 hours a day, 12 hours a night, 24-hour days. We will talk much more about that in our first in-person lesson because it has many important ramifications. All right, the first colon on 4a. We're going to quote a verse. With David, a verse by David from Psalms. God, protect my soul, because I am, because I am devout. Levi and Rivitzchak argued what it was that King David was referring to when he said he is devout. One says, this is what King David was saying to God. Master of the universe. Lo Am I not a pious person or a devout person? Because all of the kings of the East and the West, they get up at three hours into the day. Whereas for me, I get up at midnight in order to be able to praise you. And the other opinion as to what King David was referring to when he was saying he was devout This is what King David was saying to God Master of the universe Am I not devout All the kings of the east and the west they sit in their very official royal positions together with their entourage dealing with very high and classy matters Whereas for me, whereas me, I sit and my hands are dirty from blood and from embryos and from placentas. What is that a reference to? Well, as we've spoken about before, there are different types of emissions. Um, both men and women have that make them impure. Now, as I said before, impure may not be the right word, but it makes them tame. Um, and one of the ramifications for a woman who has, uh, for, an, for an instance of, um, of uh, a vegetal period or after birth, that makes a, that creates a situation where without a purification process, the a man and a husband and wife are actually forbidden to be intimate with each other. So what King David was talking about here, he would be the one that would look at blood samples, look at the placentas and the afterbirths and, and all and the embryos to know and to decide, make a halachic decision if this woman and her husband were permitted to each other or forbidden to each other. And that's what he would deal with all day. Let's go back into the Gemara. I'm dealing with blood and all of these emissions all day in order to be able to permit a woman to her husband. In other words, every, all the other kings are dealing with the most tasteful and classy things, and here I am doing everything I possibly can. As as, as crass as it may seem, I'm doing everything I can possibly can to permit a husband and wife to each other. Below Ode, and not only that, I'm also devout for the following reason. Everything I decide. Before making any decision, any halachic decision, any decision in Jewish law, I mean, Nimlach Mephibosheth. I first asked Mephibosheth, who was King David's rabbi, Rebbe. I would ask Mephibosheth, my rabbi, lo Mephibosheth. And I would tell him, Mephibosheth, Rebbe, my rabbi, Yafid Danti, did I judge correctly? Did I get correctly? Did I get correctly? did I exempt correctly? Harti, did I purify correctly? Yafezachisi, did I announce that something was impure correctly? Lo, Boshin, I was never ashamed to get that second opinion from my rabbi. That's where King David was referring to himself as the rabbi. Rabbi Yeshua, the Son of Rabbi, he said, my what is the verse, where is the verse, what is the verse that is? with Mephiboshes, with his Rebbe, before making these types of decisions. The verse says, I would speak of your statutes in front of kings, and I would not be embarrassed. This is a reference to, he would speak in front of the kings. Now, Mephiboshes, his Rebbe, was both a descendant of kings, but also a teacher is referred to as a king. So, King David would say, I would not be embarrassed to get a second opinion in my halachic decisions from my Rebbe, even though I was the king. Tano, we have a teaching about Miphi Shemo. His name was not really Miphi Boshas. His real name was Ish Mephibosheth, So, why do we refer to this rabbi of King David as Miphi Boshas? As he would embarrass or he would shame King David when he came to Jewish law. mifi means from the mouth of. Boshesmi means shame. So from his mouth would come shame for King David because he knew better than King David when it came to Jewish law. And because King David would humble himself in front of his rabbi, Zaha David, King David was meritorious. V'yatsa mi menu kol kill of. He had a son by the name of Kil'av. Lama um, Rabi Yochan, Yochanan said about this son, Lama Rabi said about this son, His name was not Kil'av. His name was Daniel. Lama Nikra Shemot Now why did, why do we refer to him as Kil'av? Shahayim mechalim haneim efiboshes b'halachim. Because he would shame Miphiboshes when it came to matters of Jewish law. So the word of is a makeup of kol, and the words, the letters kaf and lamed, and the letters of aleph and bet. Kaf and lamed can also mean shame. Av can mean a father, but also a master. So what he was saying is, the name, where this name came from, is that he was able to shame his master. In other words, Miphiboshes, when it came to matters of Jewish law. So he would come to the defense of King David and would be able to put King David's rabbi in his own place, in his place. And now there's a couple of verses that tell us about this. The amar shlomo, oh, kilav, and why was his name kilav, back in the Gemara? mechalim, ba'alacha, because he would embarrass mefiboshes when it came to matters of Jewish law. The amar shlomo, and King Solomon said about him, Shomo uh, and King Solomon in his great wisdom said about um, Hilav, the son of King David, my son, im libecha, yismach if your heart is wise, then I will rejoice, my heart will rejoice, gamani as well. The Omer, and it also says, chacham Um, wise is my son, usamach and my heart will rejoice, v'ashiva chorfi and I will be able to answer my shame. King David was saying that Kilav would provide for him a defense for his halachic stance against Mephibosheth and therefore would be able to still the shame that King David had been feeling. Now we're going to ask a question. King David seems to refer to himself as someone that is devout. And we're wondering if that is really the case. So um, we are at the last period, actually, on the page. David, me kari l'nafshei Would King David really consider himself pious and devout? Doesn't the verse say in Psalms said by King David It says had I not believed that I would see The good of God and the life and the land of the living In other words what he's referring to is if I did not believe in the concept of an afterlife Then I would not have been able to stay strong in my convictions Against all of the other kings and enemies that I had that would try to persuade and influence me against, um, against my heritage and against my religion. That's what King David is saying. But What's interesting is if you look at the original, there are dots on top of the word alule, had I not. And we know that what dots on top of a word teach us is that it limits something. So in other words, it's limiting King David. So right, what it seems to say is King David felt that because I'm confident that I will be receive a portion in the world to come, I stood strong in my religion. The two dots on top of that word would seem to limit it and say perhaps King David was not as confident as it seemed, and he was not confident that he would receive a share in the world to come. Which, if that is the case, then how could we understand King David calling himself devout and pious if he wasn't even sure that he was going to receive a portion in the world to come? So let's go back into the Gemara. We learn how to teaching in the name of Rabbi Lama Nakud Why are there dots on top of the word Lule? Omar King David said in front of God, Master of the Universe. Mufta I am completely confident in you. that in the world to come you give great reward to the righteous. But I am not sure that I have a portion amongst them. In love, or whether I do not. Because perhaps the sin that I have committed, perhaps that has, perhaps that has made it that I do not receive a share in the world to come. Kid like Rabbi Yaakov Bar said, Amar Rabbi Yaakov Idi, he brings up, he posits the following seeming. Contradiction. The verse says, when it comes to Jacob, when it comes to Yaakov, our forefather, God promises him, He He anochi imach Behold, I am with you, and I will guard you wherever you go. That's what God promised Jacob. We'll see, yet the verse also says, that Yaakov feared. He really feared. Now, how could this possibly be? If God promised him that He would He would be with him wherever he went, why would Yaakov fear? And the answer is Shema again this concept that perhaps a sin that Yaakov may have done Would have taken him away from something that he justly would have deserved because of the sin that he had done We have another teaching that seems to teach like this. This is a b'risa We're going to be quoting the song of az-yashir the song that the jewish people sang when they made it across the Red Sea in their Egypt, upon their exodus from Egypt and the Egyptians drowned in the sea this was the song that they sang upon arriving on dry land. And part of the song says, Ad ya'avor amcha Hashem, tell your nation, until your nation, tell God, your nation crossed, Ad ya'avor amzuch and until this nation that you acquired has crossed. And what we say is, is that in this song, there is prophecy for the future. And what those words refer to, this double language of, this nation of yours crossing is actually a reference as follows Adya Voram Hashem until your nation crosses, Zubiarishona. This is the first time, a reference to the first time that the Jewish people would enter the land of Israel after forty years in the desert, and when the end and when they enter, the Jordan miraculously splits for them, and there are many miracle, miracles that accompany them upon their entrance into the land of Israel. And then the second part of the verse, until the nation that you have acquired have passed, this is the second time that the Jewish people come into Israel. After the Babylonian exile of 70 years, some of the Jewish people come back to Israel to re-inhabit re-in- the land of Israel. And this re- is a reference to the second time that they come in. And the sages say, based on the juxtaposition of these two points in history, they say, The Jewish people, they should have had similar types of miracles accompany them when they came into Israel during the days of Ezra after the Babylonian exile. Just as had been done for them during the days of Yehoshua ben Nun, who led the Jewish people into the land of Israel from after 40 years in the desert. And the only reason that they did not experience those same type of miracles is because of some of the sins that they may have done. So we see this concept that the Jewish people could have had more, both as individuals and as a community and as a collective. However, sin took some of the just rewards away from them. So today, we'll stop here for today, because the last line starts a completely new topic. But what we've seen today is, again, how King David, after giving advice, we would see that others would be consulted with as well before making important decisions. We talked more about this idea of Moshe and King David knowing the exact moment of midnight. We then spoke about King David speaking of himself as being devout and looking at himself in comparison to all of the other kings of the world at the time and how he was different. We spoke about how humble he was. And then we asked, how could he call him, does he, did he really believe that he was so devout and pious? And then we introduced this concept of being deserving of something, but sin, being able, but sin playing a role in something that you would have deserved no longer receiving. So that was all of the basic ideas that we discussed here. A lot of the ideas we discussed there form the basis for important philosophical ideas in Judaism which again, certainly should be elaborated upon at a different time. Have a wonderful day.